Hi, this is Jamie Escudere, and welcome to another episode of Nonsense. This morning I read that Jana Novotna, the tennis star from the 90s, died. It struck me that most of the writing about her life, or the assessments of her life, did not focus on the fact that she won Wimbledon in 1998. Rather, the most remarkable thing that people seemed to think that she did was when she showed her vulnerability publicly in 1993 after she blew a 4-1 lead in the third set to Steffi Groff and ended up losing the Wimbledon that year and then cried on the shoulder of the Duchess of Kent about it during the awards ceremony. I think a lot of people recognize that that actually was a moment of great bravery, that it's really hard for us to be public about things that hurt us, to kind of put on display the soft spots in our armor that reveal us to actually be human. How often, really, in our adult lives do we say something like, I need help, or I'm afraid? Even though I believe that if we were to hear it from someone else, we would help. I mean, we do it all the time. For example, my kids say it, and they're, they're unashamed to say it. Daddy, can you get that for me? I can't reach it. I can't lift it. I'm afraid of the dark. I'm having nightmares. And when your child does that to you, of course, you you don't hesitate to help them with whatever the thing is that, that they're needing help with. And it's not you don't judge them for it or think less of them as people, all people, young or old, male or female, tall or short, whatever, need help sometimes. But it's something that not only do we not say to other people, it's like a huge thing to say to someone else, I'm suffering. I think we're even afraid to acknowledge to ourselves that we have those weaknesses or fears. For example, I just went hiking over the weekend. It was a long hike. And at the end of the hike, I was really feeling it. And in particular, my knees were really hurting. And I, at first, I wanted to pretend like it wasn't happening because I, I wanted to pretend that I'm not someone in my 40s who gets sore knees from a hike. But, you know, the reality is I had to slow down. And first I had to say to myself, you got to slow down, otherwise you're not going to finish this hike. And then I had to say to the person I was with, listen, I'm sorry, but I need a break. I need to stop for a few minutes. And you know what he said when I said that? He said, okay. He said, you know, it's, I'm tired too. It was something neither of us really wanted to verbalize because we're both, I guess, trying to prove something to ourselves or to each other that we're tough enough to complete the hike. But when I verbalized my weakness, my knees are hurting, I need to stop for a minute, it was met with understanding and even relief. And in a strange but I think important way, it even deepened our friendship for us to say, I feel comfortable enough with you to let you know that I have limitations. Because the truth is, when we convey this idea to the world that we don't need any help at all, we're doing fine. What that does is actually, it's not a suit of armor that we're wearing. It's a wall that separates us from one another. If you don't occasionally allow the people in your community or the, the people in your life into see a glimpse of the vulnerabilities that we all have, you're actually kind of sending a message to them that they're not important to you. Because when you do let them know about your vulnerabilities, what you are actually doing is giving them an opening to help you. When we help one another, 
It is through that act that our lives really derive meaning and how we find our purpose. And it occurs to me that, you know, this is not necessarily something that needs to be limited or ought to be limited to our personal relationships. I'm afraid, for example, of the situation in North Korea. I have my suspicions that we're about to go to war with North Korea, and it's possible that it's going to be a nuclear war. And I don't think that's an unreasonable fear given the rhetoric that's bouncing around the globe. And I just wonder what would happen if we went into negotiations, sat down at the table with the North Koreans and said something like this. I'm afraid. You have developed a nuclear weapon, and we believe that you have the capacity to deliver it to the continental United States. I am telling you as I sit here at this table across from you that I am afraid of that. That there are people that I know and love who live in Los Angeles. That there are people who I know and love that live in Chicago. That live in places that your missiles could conceivably reach. And I'm telling you that the thought of those people being incinerated is unbearable to me. It breaks my heart to think about it. And you scare me with what you're doing and what you're saying. And so that's why I want to try to resolve this. What might their response be? I wonder, wouldn't it be possible that they might say back, we are also afraid. We develop this weapon because we are afraid of the thousands of weapons that you have that could do the same thing to us. Because we have people in Pyongyang that we love and know, and the thought of their incineration is unbearable to us. And perhaps by sharing that vulnerability, my knee hurts. Well, my knee hurts as well. Let's stop. And through that, at least, maybe, start some sort of meaningful dialogue. And all through the magic of simply acknowledging what is already there, which is the fact that we are scared of one another. And then only through acknowledging that can we maybe learn about one another and in that way not become scared. And with that, I'm going to take a little bit of a hiatus as I think about what I want to say next and how I want to say it. But as for now, it is my intention to be back with more ideas for you. And you'll have things that you'll want to talk about. I will too. As always, thanks for listening.